Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11. Somebody asked me yesterday, last night, said, uh, you have your uh, sermon done? Somebody doesn't go here. They said, you have your sermon done, ready to go? And I said, no, I never do on a Saturday afternoon. That's way too early to plan a message, you know. And uh, so I'm just really, I pray all week, and I just pray that God's Spirit would lead me. And um, God led me to this message. And uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11, how many know that I'm, a, um, I'm called to take care of the sheep, to protect the sheep, to care for the sheep, to nurture the sheep? And so everything that you speak in a message is to really cautiously and carefully make sure um, that we're all reminded of things and that we're all careful with things and we're cautious with things and and um, that we're all going to make it together. You know what I'm saying? God wants me to lead this flock. And, and, you know, a lot of you don't know this, but about every week before I pray, I'll uh, stand in front of uh, the fountain out there. And to me, it's just a place of prayer every week before I preach. And I just pray that God would anoint me to try to get this flock that's been handed to me as many as I can to heaven, to let them see heaven. And and I actually had a vision before I came here of uh, the previous shepherd, Pastor Rod, a good friend of mine, uh, just smiling and saying, man, you, you brought them here. And, uh, and I want to see that one day. I want to see this flock be healthy. And so that means that I have to be very direct on a lot of areas that are important. And so when I preach a message like this, know that this message is real directed at me first and then also directed at the health of our church. But it says in Hebrews 3.11, it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. Now, who's he talking to here? Brothers and sisters, right? See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns what? Away from the living God. So this is a message that is really to the church, right? Brothers and sisters, be careful not to have an unbelieving and sinful heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by what? The danger here is that the brothers and the sisters in Christ will be hardened in their heart by deceitfulness of sin. That means that sin is really sneaky. Right? Sin is able to fool people. And in this particular passage, the people are being fooled are who? The brothers and sisters. And so he's saying, brothers and sisters, none of you have a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from God. So this deceitfulness of sin is able to make us back away from God and turn away from God. And this condition through the Bible is called two things. It's called backslidden and apostasy. Backslidden is the condition of backing away from God. Like I was once close to God, 
but I'm backing away now. If you back away far far enough, you become apostatized. Backsliding is a temporary condition. Apostasy is a permanent condition. And so this message today is a message, and don't what I don't want is don't squirm in your seats and say, oh man, sometimes, sometimes I think the heart of these messages are, he's out to get me. It's like I'm a prosecuting attorney and I'm trying to nail you on the charges. But how many know that's not how it works in church? Because this is something that all of us are susceptible to. In fact, I was looking for a list that I didn't write of, um, of, um, evidence that you're backsliding. And the reason I didn't want to write the list is because how many know if you write the list, sometimes you, you're not backsliding. Because it'll make me look good, my list. So I thought, man, I've got to find a list of evidence of backsliding that I didn't write, that somebody else did. And then I read the list and I said, Chad, you're backslidden. You say, oh no, i got a preacher that's backslidden. No, you have a preacher that wants to be closer today while it's still today than I was yesterday. And you say, well, I'm not backslidden. Well, listen to the message because you might be sliding back. All right? And I don't want you to. I want you today to be more on fire for the Lord than you were yesterday. I don't want you to keep sliding backwards because I want you to be on fire for God. I don't want you to fall backwards farther and farther away from God until you're finally so hardened in your heart, you say, I'm done with it. How many know that's possible to do that? So he goes on and he says, Today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, We've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Do you hear that? He wants them to hold their original conviction till the very end, right? It says, and just as been said, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. Now you look at Hebrews and you say, what rebellion? Because there wasn't a rebellion that was happening in Hebrews. He was writing a letter to a group of brothers and sisters that were Christians. And they were actually under persecution and serving the Lord. He's talking about the rebellion way back in the Bible when they rebelled against Moses. Okay? He's saying don't harden your heart. He's using examples from the Old Testament. You ever seen, um, you ever seen a storm? And maybe you've experienced it recently. But a storm will take down a giant tree. And you'll look at that tree and you'll say, man, that destructive wind took that whole tree down. And if you've ever been somebody like me who's looking for trees that went down, many times you'll, some of you burned wood in here, right? Most of the time what you'll find out was that tree was actually planted and given the ability to withstand the worst storms. And you'll find out real often that the trees that go down, uh, you'll start to cut them up and you'll start to realize the whole inside of it is hollowed out because insects have already eaten it. It's been rotting for a lot of years and nobody knew that that tree 
was unstable because on the inside it was rotting. And so that tree went down not because it wasn't made to withstand the storms. It went down because it was not stable on the inside. And sometimes we see people that we say fall from grace or apostatize or backslide and we see that the trials of life come into their life and we see that it, the wind just takes them right down, the storms of life. And we say, oh man, did you see that that one sin knocked them out? And what usually is happening is it's years of backsliding that has caused the relationship to rot and the relationship to be eaten. And here's the thing. When we're backsliding, unless the Holy Spirit tells us we are, it's hard to figure it out. And you say, well, how do you know that? I read a book. I read a lot of self-help books, and it said that people won't know. No, that's not what I did. I actually know because there's times in my life I look back and I say, well, man, last year, Chad, you really weren't as close to the Lord as you were before. Or the last five years, or maybe it's the last ten years, or maybe it's... 20 years. How many know that when you're drifting, I can remember one time I almost drowned the ocean. I've told the story before, but maybe the most shocking thing of me being in the ocean, not being able to swim as I kept jumping off the bottom. And then I finally went into a state of almost drowning. I can't swim at all. So I'm jumping up and down on the bottom. And every time I jump, guess what happens? I go in the air. I move down another 10 feet, another 10 feet. Next thing I know, I'm a half a mile from where I started. I had no idea. And see, that's what happens when we start backing away from God. We start backing away from our relationship. And if I would have backed up one more time, I would have fell flat on my back. And a lot of you have seen that. You were startled. You were worried about me, weren't you? You seen me back up there. Yeah, I'm pretty clumsy too. So, we drift sometimes and we don't realize. In fact, the Bible says... Hebrews 2.1, the chapter before this, he says, For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. And this drift just happens slow, slow, slow. And you say, well, what benefit is this message this morning, Pastor? The benefit of the message is, let's really think about it. Let's really apply ourselves and just really... Meditate on our lives, each one of us. And say, man, am I closer to the Lord than I've ever been or am I drifting away from the call that God has on my life? And so really, every word, just just really think about it because the Holy Spirit put that on my heart this morning. So the question we have to ask to start is, am I beginning to backslide? Am I beginning to backslide? Psalm chapter 32, verse 1 to 6 says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Now, this is written by David. Let me know that David went through a part of his life where he was backslidden. All right, now we can take a deep breath. Okay, ready? Oh, man, thank goodness. David, the one that was after God's own heart. He was a great man of God. How many know that he went through a period 
where he backslid. So I would love to hear what he was thinking during this period of time. I would love to hear his inner dialogue here. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose spirit there is no deceit. Remember that word deceit? That's where sin is fooling you and tricking you and making you think things are okay, but things really aren't. David went through a period of his life where he was backslidden, and I believe that he was trying to, um, trying to, trying to in his mind figure out, um, forgiveness, figure out mercy, figure out love. He knew God's love. He knew God's mercy. He was trying to appropriate it in his life. But I think there was a period of time where David was backslidden and he felt that, that, that distance from God. How many have ever felt the distance from God? I know that God forgives me of my sins. I know His mercy is infinitely important in my life and infinite as far as my sins. But how many know that there's times in your life where you just don't appropriate it? And one sin after another sin after another sin. And let me tell you this. When you're living for the Lord, there's actually a cycle that is very natural in your relationship with the Lord. Just like our body has several natural processes, we've got processes in our body that actually clean our blood out. How many know that? It's just filtering out filth that's in our blood. We've got processes that's just cleaning our body constantly and renewing our body constantly, and God designed that. And I think one of the reasons He designed it is because He wants us to show how grace and mercy and forgiveness work in our life. And if you're a healthy Christian... And you come to the Lord and you repent and you say, God, I want to live for you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Savior of my life. How many knows it feels really good when God forgives you of all your sins? And you know, I am forgiven. I'm living for the Lord. I'm right with God. I can lay my head down at night and I, and I, and I feel forgiven. And there's a cycle that goes after that. It's I know that God forgives me. I know that God loves me. I know that I have communion with God. But what happens when we back away from God and we break the cycle? Where I no longer care about my sins. Where I no longer repent. Where I no longer say that I'm living for God and He is the Lord of my life and we start backing away. And we're never in His presence anymore. Then you start to lose that... This is terrible. That loving feeling. I'm not going to sing that. It just came to my mind. I'm sorry. But I will not sing it. But how many know you need to constantly be aware of His love, constantly aware of His mercy, constantly aware of His graces? It's like those bodily functions that clean that blood. It's a natural process of repentance and love and forgiveness and holiness and all these things are working together in the believer's life to keep him forgiven and boldly in God's presence. How many know that? But when we break that cycle of intimacy, we start backing away from God through what? The trickiness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. The things that have fooled us and we don't realize it yet. Then the process is broken. And we start in a backslidden state. How many have ever been there? Am I the only one? I feel terrible because I'm the only one that's ever slid back. There's a few more. Praise the Lord. (laughs) 
And it, but, but David said, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, this is David, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. You ever kept silent from the Lord and just didn't have conversations with him for a long time? That's what he's talking about. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was zapped. Sapped, I'm sorry, zapped. I like zapped. My strength was sapped. And in the heat of summer, then, that's an important word, I acknowledged my sin. To you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Hallelujah. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you still may be found. Hallelujah. That's not a sinner that just came to the Lord. That's somebody that knew the Lord and was backing away. And he's restored to God's presence. That's the good news this morning. You said, have I gone too far? Have I backslidden too far? No. The Lord wants you to know that he will restore you to where you were. He'll restore all the lost years. He'll restore all the time away from him. He's not mad at you. He's not telling you to go away. I'm mad at you. You did the wrong thing. He's saying, no, I want you in my presence and I want you to feel that relationship with me again. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, the one we read today, listen to the whole 7 through 19. It says, so as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as they did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, Though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray. You hear what they did in the rebellion? Their heart was always going away from him. Their heart was always deceived with the deceitfulness and they were always walking away. And God was saying, no, walk toward me. I want to know you. I want to be close to you. I want to let that cycle of grace and forgiveness and love and and, and holiness, we can't leave that one out. I want to continue to flow inside of you. And he says, Their heart is always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger that they will never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful or unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold the original conviction firmly to the very end. As just been said, that's what I've read already. But how many know that any moment, any moment we can be raptured into God's presence? How many know that? Any moment we can be raptured into God's presence and you say, is it only the rapture? No, you could be going home today. You could take your vehicle and you could run into a tree, which happens, I've heard. And that could be the end of your life in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and we're in the presence of the Lord. That's why he says today, if you hear, respond. And as I went on, I was in the prayer room there, and man, God just started to really 
flood me with this message here and added a lot to my message that wasn't in my notes. Backsliding, what does it mean to be backsliding? Backsliding, listen to this, is a season in the life of a Christian when his sin grows stronger and his obedience declines. Sin grows stronger and obedience declines. I mean, I think that's a good definition. Like, I'm sinful, but I, we've always been sinful people, but now I'm just not obedient anymore. I'm just sinful. And so we start sliding away and sin begins to deceive us and we just don't realize it. Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 20, or verse 2, I'm sorry, says, "Why, Why then has this people, Israel, turned away in perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to deceit and they refuse to return. There's that word deceit again, where we're fooled again, perpetual backsliding. Jeremiah 14.7 says, Though our iniquities testify against us, act, O Lord, for your name's sake, for our backslidings are many that we have sinned against you. Evidence of backsliding. And like I said, I didn't write these, so don't get mad at me. I was looking for one that I didn't write. And this was an exhaustively long one. I thought, man, you know what? I want to know. How many want to know if you are? I mean, I I just want to know it. It's kind of like diagnosing a sickness. Unless they tell me I have something wrong with me and they diagnose it, how can I get well? And some people just put their hands on their ears and say, I don't want to know. I want to know. I want to respond to it, you know? Number one, you can tell in your worship. If your worship becomes going through the motions, now nobody, I, I, I put that in there, but I know nobody here ever does that. Yeah, okay, I'm here. Couple fast, couple slow, couple fast. Let's go home. How many know what I'm talking about? Worship is just going through the motions. There's no passion about it. There's no... Um, there's no, we take it for granted, don't we? We take it for granted that God has forgiven us, God loves us, God has uh, blessed us. God, I mean, we, we forget that when this world's over, we're blessed beyond any people that have ever walked on the face of the earth. And we're almost there. Time is almost up. And I'm almost in the presence of the Lord. And He's created everything for inheritors of righteousness. And sometimes we forget that. And sometimes it's just mundane worship and it's going through the motions. But that is a sign that I might be backsliding. Amen? I knew it wouldn't apply to anybody. Absence of joy in general and absence of joy in the things of the Lord in particular. Think about it. Like I said... I was found to be backslidden when I read the list. You say, I bet you checked all of them, brother. No, I didn't. (laughs) I was like, hey, I better get my act together. And I hope you will too. Absence of joy with with, with in general and in particular the things of the Lord. 
religious bondage. Your duties, let me know that there are religious duties. My duties, the things that I do for the Lord are duties and not joy. Like I have to do this, I go to church on Sunday, why do we do it? I get up in the morning, you know, it's a mess, I got to go to church. I got to go talk to those people. I'm supposed to love them. I'm supposed to care about them. I'm supposed to, you know, my extra time go do work there. I mean, know that it can become a duty. And if it's a duty to serve the Lord, then it's possibly a sign of back, being backslidden. I told you it was a good list. I can't, this one hurt. This one hurts. Okay, I'm just going to tell you. Just, Brace yourself, all right? What do you say? They have those little, uh, what do you have those pets that help you with stress? What are those called? I don't allow them in here, but, but just get ready. I can't control my anger and my tongue anymore. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says that one of the works of the Spirit that God is working in you is I have an ability only through the Holy Spirit to control this unruly member called my tongue and my emotions and my anger. The only thing that can give me self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. So if I'm losing control of my tongue, I'm losing control of my anger, that might be a sign that I'm sliding away from His presence. Why? Because when I get closer, I'm able to control my tongue, I'm able to control my emotions, I'm able to control those things. You say, no, that's a bad list, Chad. I said the sinner's prayer and I'm good. It might be a sign. A fault-finding spirit. told you it was a painful list. Chad, that's my spirit of discernment. Amen? Judging the motives of other people, placing blame on other people, judging people harshly, that's not the God that I serve. That's me when I back away from God. But if I've got a fault-finding spirit, then I'm probably backing away. I'm probably not being more like Him. Amen? I mean, how many think it's good medicine to hear preaching like this? I mean, I, I could just come in here and say, you know what, you guys are all wonderful. Pat you on the back and just send you home. But you know what, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to know God closer. Hallelujah. I have less interest in the word of truth. That means I would love to know the Bible, but every time I read that Bible, it says something about my life. That's what I want. That's why the, you know, the law of the Bible says a good thing. I want to know what God thinks about my life. I want to know. I don't, I know I don't live up to it. That's already been established, right? But I want to. My desire. That's how I know I'm getting closer to God because I'm saying, God, listen to this. David said, search my heart, God. See if there be anything in my heart that's not of you. That means David's getting closer, closer and closer to God. When he's backing away, Nathan is saying, you're the man. He's like, who, me? You remember the story? He's in sin. He's backing away. And Nathan said, David said, tell me the man who did that bad thing. He goes, you're the man. David, you're the man. And when I'm backing away, I don't like to see that finger, but when I love God and I know I'm forgiven and that cycle of 
grace and mercy is flowing through my life, I'm saying, all right, jump in your presence and tell me how I could be a better person. Tell me how I could be more like you. Tell me how I can grow in holiness and righteousness. Hallelujah. Less interest in prayer. Less interest in prayer. I know when it gets really quiet, I've hit a good one. So I'm just going to ask you, there's, there's two numbers here. There's the number of how many times people think you pray and the number of how many times you really pray, okay? Now, we're going to have to really take a lot out of our mind here. Close your eyes. Think of the number that you really have prayed last time. Okay. Now, hopefully we were able to take the mask off and not the number that people think you pray. One of the signs that we may be backslidden is we're not even praying at all. Prayerlessness is a very sure sign that we're not getting closer, we're getting farther away. Amen? I know this is taking a long time. Less interest in the lost. If I don't care about the lost, how many know sometimes it's easier to just say they're on their own? You know, I got my own problems. I got enough things going on in my life, but how many know it could be a sign that you're not spending time with the Lord because when you spend the time with the Lord, what's his heart say? The lost. His heart is to help people. His heart is to seek and to save the lost. So if I'm spending time with him and I want to have his heart, that's where his heart's at. So if I don't care about the lost, that means I might be backing away from God. How many know that this, this message isn't to nail you? I'm going to say it again. This message isn't like, man, he's trying to nail me in front of everybody. I'm not doing that. These messages are to encourage us until the last day that we're on this earth that we're on fire for God more now than we have ever been. How many want that? That's what I want. I want to be more on fire than I ever have been when the Lord returns. I don't want to be backslidden when the Lord returns. Hallelujah. No interest in hearing reports of God's genuine work. God is doing something in somebody's life and they were previously a drug addict. And you're like... You know, you can get that hard-hearted. That if God is doing something in people's life, we should be sensitive to that. Like if I see even a little movement of somebody toward God... I get excited. I get thrilled. And if we lose that, how many know that's a sign that our heart's getting hard? Because we don't have the heart of God. Because you know what God does? Somebody gives their heart to the Lord, He, he, he dances over them. He's thrilled over it. All of heaven rejoices. Angels and the hosts of heaven rejoice when one sinner comes to the Lord. And we're hard-hearted. That means that I don't know Him. I don't know his heart. I'm backing away if I'm getting harder, you know, toward those things. No significant interest in missions and outreach. And that goes right along with the lost. I don't have any desire. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to get to heaven, but I'm going to be totally focused on me. And you say, well, man, how's that manifest itself? Your life. You are the only Jesus, you've heard this, that some people will ever see. 
And so when our ideal is, I'm right with God, I don't have to live a certain way. Like I don't have to separate myself to be an example to the people that are watching, my own kids, my own family, my, my, my people that I work with. How many of you know that every day we're thinking about the lost? Every day we're thinking about how we represent Christ in a lost world. How many know that we're, the Bible says we're ambassadors, we're ambassadors of a kingdom. And we're trying to tell people if we don't represent Jesus Christ every day, they won't even hear about him. And so it may be a sign that I'm backslidden if I'm not representing the kingdom of God and I don't care to represent the kingdom of God. It might be a sign. No interest in helping orphans or widows or the poor. Let me think that's a sign. I don't have any concern whatsoever for the people around me. I just want to eat, drink, and be merry. I just want to take care of myself, and I'm not worried about anybody else. How many think that's a sign that you could be hard-hearted and backslidden? Lack of interest in holiness, being set apart for God. No interest in the recently converted babes in Christ, babies in Christ. I mean, no, there's some people that have just can't given their heart to the Lord and they're looking for somebody to take care of them. And you say, eh, I don't change diapers. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't do the bottle thing for, for babies. And you say, well, you're asking me to do a physical nursery ministry? No, what I'm saying is, they're more vulnerable spiritually when they first come to the Lord than those babies are in that nursery. And if we don't have an army of people to disciple, then how will they ever survive? How will they ever be nurtured? How will they ever grow? And you know what? We're backslidden, maybe, not for sure, if we don't care to disciple. Hallelujah. Long list. One don't get you, then the other one will. <laughs> All of our prayers are focused on us. Maybe I should skip that one. Non-applicable again. All my prayers are selfish. All my prayers are about me. All my prayers are focused on material things. It's a sure sign that I don't have the heart of God in my prayer life. Amen. Not that God doesn't want to know. I mean, no, God wants to know your needs. He wants to take care of your needs. Uh, but he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'll add those things to you, okay? 16, an increasing interest in the things of the world rather than the things that are above. If you're growing more and more interested in the world and material things, if that's where your interest is at, then you might be backing away from God. And we don't want that. We want to be more interested in the things that are above than the things in this world because the things in this world are going to perish. You know, we're not going to take any of it with us. Hallelujah. Conscience is not tender and not offended by sin. Your conscience is not offended by sin. Maybe I need to say that one more time. 
<laughs> How many know that sin is what put Jesus on a cross? That's what caused Him to bleed naked on a cross for us. And when we take sin lightly, you say, well, man, do I have to be perfect to love the Lord? No, you need His grace, you need His mercy. That's why He died for us. But if we take sin lightly, and we just say, oh, it's not that big of a deal, I can do whatever I want, then we're backing away from Him. We're backing away. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants to say, hey, God, forgive me. This still bothers me. I still blush when I sin. And sometimes we forget, we've forgotten to blush, haven't we? doesn't bother us. Nah, I'm not embarrassed by sin. Nah. God wants us to get closer and say, hey, I do care about it. I want to be, I want to be faithful to you, Lord. Obedient. Last one. Fear of man is bigger than your fear of God. If I'm in God's presence, I'm in awe. I'm like every person that's ever been in God's presence just was like afraid for their life because God is so powerful and God is so majestic and God is so big. If we fear men more than God, you ever notice how you can see something like a giant skyscraper? If I stand far enough away, it looks kind of tiny. And if Eddie's standing next to me, Eddie actually looks bigger than the skyscraper. Right? Some of you are getting lost now. You're saying, Eddie's bigger than a skyscraper. I don't get it. Just, just trust me. The closer I am to him, the bigger he looks. The closer I am to that, the more majestic it is. So if I'm backslidden and I'm walking away from God, he just looks tiny. It's like, why am I worried about God? And if I'm getting closer to man, then man looks kind of scary. Like, man, what are they going to do to me? And Jesus said, fear him more because he can cast your soul into hell. All they can do is kill your body. And you're like, ah, oh, kill my body, that's not good. <laughs> but when you fear God more than man, you realize that eternity is bigger than what man can do to you. And so I started really looking at this and, and I was praying, you know, because I've read in Jude verse 11, 2 Peter chapter 2, and I was in the prayer room, and, 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 and God just kept telling me, Balaam's error. Balaam's error. Actually, let me read it here, because I'm going to close with this. Maybe. Look in Jude chapter, or verse 11. It's only one chapter. It says... Woe to them that have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's heir, and they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Okay, go to Second Peter. Second Peter is interesting because I value this book really greatly because Peter's about to die. I mean, this is his last letter he's writing. Peter, first Peter, he had the benefit of somebody helping him write it. You know, had an editor there to kind of make nice Greek uh, book and just structured really nice. Second Peter, everything's stripped away. He's in prison. He's about to die. It's his last testament. He says in chapter 1, he says, um, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth. You now, uh, truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory so long as I am alive in the tent of my body. He's about to die, and he keeps reminding them of the same things they know already. 
And the reason he's doing it is, he says, because in chapter 2 he says, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Peter's last words, he's using them very efficiently here. And he's warning, be careful, there's false teachers, false prophets. Jesus said in the last days, he said there would be false prophets. Then he mentions earthquakes, wars, rumors of war. Then he goes back to it. He says false prophets again. And I've been studying this for a couple of months. He goes on and he says, he says, listen to this. There were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them. So who is uh, the false teachers and the false prophets? They're among them. It says, even deny the sovereign Lord who brought them. That means they're believers, right? He says, many will follow their shameful ways and, and will bring the way of truth and the disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. For God did not spare the angels. So he goes through and he says, God didn't spare the angels, didn't spare Noah, he didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah. So I will not spare these false teachers and false prophets. And he goes on and he, as you go down in verse 15, it says they have left the straight way. So what way were they on? The way that I talked about last week, the narrow way that leads to life, right? He said they left it. They left the narrow way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. And so, man, I started praying about this probably about two months ago, and I kept saying, man, God, I don't, I don't understand. What is Balaam's error? What is the way that Balaam took from the straight course? If you go back in Numbers and you read about Balaam, he was a prophet of God. That's what we miss. He was the guy you go to that heard from the Lord. They say, hey, go inquire from Balaam. Balaam goes directly to God. How many notice that in that story? Balaam goes and inquires of God. God tells him to do something, and he does different than what God tells him. But make no mistake, he was a prophet of God. Balaam was a prophet of God. All the false teachers and false prophets are coming from among us. Paul tells them at Miletus when he leaves the Ephesian elders, he says, beware, not that they will come. He says, beware, they are coming from among you. So where are they coming from? They're on the right path. They're living for God. They're doing well. They leave the path. Church, can I give you a warning today? The gifts of God are without repentance. You say, why does God allow false prophecy? Why does He allow false teachers? Because the gifts of God are without repentance. What do you do with the gift of prophecy when you're backslidden? What do you do with the gift of prophecy when you're backslidden? You continue to prophesy because you don't realize you're backslidden. You don't realize the deceitfulness of sin has grabbed your heart 
and you're going the way of Balaam's heir. The way of Balaam's heir is he was right with God. He had the gift and God was prophesying through that man. His heir was he went off the course. He was backslidden and he didn't know it. And he was going the way of Balaam. That's that's the way God is warning us. God is saying, I've given you gifts that are without repentance. Make sure in your life you're living a life that is pleasing to the Lord because otherwise you'll be one of the false prophets that Jesus is speaking about here because they come from people that were on the right path. But the deceitfulness of sin crept in. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. I'm going to close with this. I'm, fine. I'm closing my second time. Church, how many know I, I, I love you? I mean, this message isn't, I hope it doesn't come off with a bad tone or an angry tone. It's a loving tone that says, in fact, I was telling a brother earlier who prophesied to me. And we were talking, and I'm not going to tell you what it was or who it was, but I told him, I said, you know what? I appreciate uh, he was praying all night over this church. I said, I appreciate a prophetic word. But can I tell you something? That's why I'm so hard on a prophetic word. You'll not find anybody that's harder on a prophetic word than me because I value a prophetic word above almost anything. And if we're truly hearing from the Lord, how many know God's going to do great things in this house? But I want to know that you heard from the Lord because I know the way of Balaam. I've seen the way of Balaam. I've confronted the way of Balaam. And church, if God can do a mighty work, He says in the book of Revelation, this is actually my close for the third time. (laughs) Sorry. But He says in the book of Revelation when He talks to the church at Ephesus. Church of Ephesus... When John writes to the church of Ephesus, it's been 40 years since Paul planted that church. It's a 40-year-old church, and it wasn't just any church. It was a church that uh, had the best pastors that you could possibly have. Okay, you say, well, that's probably not true. Let's say that this church started off with the Apostle Paul as our pastor. Then it went on to Apollos, who was considered maybe one of the greatest orators in the early church. And was considered a great man of God. And then, oh, by the way, who's the new guy? That's the Apostle John that walked with Jesus and, 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 and Jesus gave him the book of Revelation. That's your next pastor. And he stayed there until he was almost 100 years old. Wonderful church. This church fought against false doctrine hard. They were knew the Word of God, fought against false teaching, fought against false prophets, false apostles. But the Bible says they lost their first love. You know, knowing the Word of God doesn't equal I love God. I mean, no, that's true. Just because you know every doctrine, just because you've read every commentary, you read every book, doesn't equal I love God. Because they lost their first love. They loved the Word of God but they were backing away from God Himself. And He says, repent of this and go back to what you were doing. And I wrote down four things that they were doing. Repentance is a lifestyle. 
Let me know that's true. Repentance is a lifestyle. Prayer as a privilege. You say, wait a minute, I've got rights. What's the biblical bill of rights here? You don't have a right to pray. Right? Oh, no, I do. No, I've been praying. You don't have a right to pray. God gave us a privilege and prescribed how we could be in His presence. And if it's anything but a privilege, you're taking it for granted. Right? He died so you could come into His presence because we're sinful. And if prayer's not a privilege, we've left the first things. Fellowship as a priority. You say, well, I fellowship every week with my 55-inch TV, brother. Then you're forsaking the fellowship of the brother. Prayer is a priority, or is a privilege. Fellowship is a priority. You say, well, I, they don't offer me enough to go there. God didn't ask you what we offer. He's asking you what you're offering the church. I don't, I've never went to church because of what the church offered me never in my life and you say you're lying that's the truth I walk into the church and figure out what can I do to help and you know what I've never been disappointed I've never been into a church where they didn't need me to help somewhere I've never been disappointed with church you say well I've been to 10 of them and they don't offer me anything fellowship is a priority all those things I was saying about being backslidden outreach the lost discipling Working on things at the church as a joy and not as a responsibility or a duty. All those things are found in fellowship as a priority. You say, well, the church just got a lot of things wrong with it. Well, so do you. I don't like you. You don't have to like me. All right? I wish I were more likable, but I'm not. I'm sorry. (laughs) Holiness is a gift. You say, I mean, God's given me that gift of holiness? No, you're giving God a gift. So how's it a gift? God said, because I died for you, it's your reasonable sacrifice. So when I separate myself from God, you say, holiness, that mean I got to wear my hair long and, and no makeup and drawn dresses? Eddie, you don't have to do that. Thank God, Eddie doesn't. <laughs> no, holiness is I'm separated from God because I love Him and it's the least it's a reasonable sacrifice I can give back because I love God. It's my gift to you, God. Do you have to have that gift to be saved? No. That's what I want to give Him because He died for me and He gave me grace. gave me mercy and I am saved because of grace and mercy. So God, hey, let me give you the best gift I can. That's me every day. Giving you me every day is my gift to you because it's reasonable. Right? So let me say it one more time. Repentance is a lifestyle. Prayer is a privilege. Fellowship is a priority. Holiness is a gift. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, bless. Lord, bless these people, Lord God. Everyone that's in here, Lord God, that they would draw close to you and not away. Lord, you're calling out in this last hour, come close to me. Come close to me. Come out from among them. Come and be close to me and hear my heart. Know me. Let my spirit be poured upon you. Lord, I pray against the spirit of error, Lord God, that would back away. Lord, would continue to prophesy when there's no relationship, Lord God. Father, I pray that it would be set right. 
Lord, I pray that holiness would be a gift. I pray that repentance would be a lifestyle. I pray that prayer, Lord, would be a privilege. And I pray that fellowship would be a priority, Lord God. Anoint your word, Lord God. Don't let it come back fruitless. It always accomplishes what it's sent out to do, Lord. Bless it in your name. Heavenly Father, right now, bless it. Hallelujah. With your eyes closed, let me just ask you. I'm not even going to have a waving of hands. You're going to have to have a checkup with the Lord today. And you're going to have to ask Him, God, am I pulling away or am I getting closer? Am I close to you right now or am I backslidden? If that's you and you're backslidden, you were once closer. Church, I told you that's me. I'm going to be responding to this altar call because I've got things that that aren't as close to God as they used to be. Hallelujah. Man, it's freedom to say that. How many can say that? I'm responding to the altar call. You're pastor, okay? If you're not close to God as you've been, your, your days are running out. Today is the day. There may not be a tomorrow. You've never given your heart to the Lord. Find a place at this altar. We're going to go into songs of worship here. And Christians, I expect you to fill this altar area. Why? Because how can I expect somebody who's not right with the Lord to come up here for prayer if Christians won't even come into this area? This area can't be empty. We're here for prayer. It's a house of prayer. If you're a Christian, you need to find a place up here and find a few moments with God. At the very least, to encourage people up here because we need to fill our altar area every week. How many know that? How many know that? How many are fine if the altar area is empty? How many are fine if nobody comes up for prayer? That's assuming nobody has a problem. Nobody's sick. Nobody has a problem at work. Nobody has a family problem. Folks, we can't neglect the presence of God. We can't neglect the presence of God. Hallelujah.